Bonjour and welcome to the podcast Call My Accent, your cultural guide to the show Call My Agent and all things French and Parisian. We'll be answering all the questions you've been asking yourself watching this French hit TV show. I'm Julie, your French connection to the stars. And I'm Nana, the Danish girl on a mission to uncover all the show's hidden details. So grab a croissant. Or a Danish pastry if you prefer. And let's get started. Are we a little low on energy today? Well, a tiny bit, you know. <laughs> we we were together last night, so you know. <laughs> yes, out celebrating our very own Camille's birthday. True. Yeah, she she is definitely like Camille, isn't she? Yeah. But yeah, we've made it through episode two. It's interesting because like, we both really liked the first episode. And how do you top that one? Well, I think they did good because they instead of one guest star, they have two, two like very big actresses in the French culture, and also being a bit older and having challenges of of their own in the in this cinema world. I thought it was good to see the way that they're breaking the format a little bit, and it was like, wow, is this possible? Two mm. act, like two stars in one episode. Yes, no, it worked well, and it'll be done again in the in the future episodes and i think he he already creates an interesting plot line so first of all we have we have uh, Françoise Fabian who is this new wave kind of um, actress so she got really famous in the 60s and she played with very big directors in that era and really recognized art house kind of movies So we we saw her in um, some movies from Buñuel or Romer or Claude Lelouch or Jacques Demy. And they're really like important names in that era. So she's definitely an art house actress. And she represents this very kind of like intellectual, beautiful woman. Um, I remember her in Belle du Jour with Catherine Deneuve. And I haven't seen My Night with Mode from Romer, but it, it looks like such a great movie that's that's on my list. Oh, she's a very interesting woman in general. I also saw that she was one of the signers of this thing called the Manifesto of the 343, which is a manifest that women signed stating that they had had an abortion. So yeah. part of the women's liberation move, movement in France. Yeah, no, it was really important. Um It was in, at the beginning, well, at the beginning of the 70s, right? Um, before abortion got, you know, voted not illegal, basically. Mm. Seems possible for someone like her to be one of the signers, maybe opposed to uh, Lynn Renner, who would have a very different reputation. Yeah, you're so right, because even, you know, for people who don't know the two actresses when they watch, whatever we learn about them totally makes sense with the way they look, the way they are. So, you know, it kind of, it totally makes sense to know that she was part of this manifest now that we watched the episode. You know, the movies she was in would be tackling more serious issues Mm. where Lean's career would be focused on making people laugh, etc. Yes. But yeah, what about her? What is she very famous yeah so she would be a very well-known uh name so i didn't know so much about her career because she she's born in 28 
1928. Honestly, like they are way older than they look both of them i know and lynn renault i think is 95 now, now yeah and she yeah, looks yeah. like i don't know she has the energy of a teenage woman <laughs> teenage woman <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah we didn't mention but Françoise is um you know a few years younger but born in 1933 so she is close to 90 now amazing She's Lynn Renault is a totally different vibe. She gives something completely different. She's a singer, she's a, an actress, and she's very well known for her cabaret musical kind of art in music and in films. Lynn Renault is known for her, her AIDS activism. She's been representing this uh, charity called Seed Action. And she's been the front and the face of that movement since um, the beginnings. Incredible. Yeah, so she's uh, she's uh, actually managed to fundraise so much money and you know help with research and and yeah. and everything else. But yeah, she's this fun kind of character and not maybe seen as serious and you know thoughtful, even if she is in her own ways, of course. But reading about her career, like I was absolutely amazed because she she sang from a young age. She sang forever. She traveled the world. She was so famous that she was traveling a lot in America. And once uh, Elvis Presley did a private concert just for her. Oh my God. She was hanging out with like the Chet Set crowd that involved like Elizabeth Taylor, Marlon Brando, Frank Sinatra. So she, that woman must have incredible stories to tell. She was sort of just discovered time yes. and time again like she's one of those people that yes yeah. she got hit hunted <laughs> basically yes. and even you know not many actresses keep going in their 90s or 80s and i feel her energy is so lovable and you kind of want to see her on the screen that she's still like shooting movies no problem like how many women do we know like this but yeah, yeah she's been in so many kind of like more comedy movies like really mainstream and you know Movies that are made for a laugh, obviously. So her most famous and the most recent would be Bienvenue chez les ch'tis. It's translated to the sticks. But um, who do you think are their Hollywood equivalents? I have to quiz so, you. I was so lost in this one, Julie. Yeah? I was like, I feel like I don't know enough about old-timey cinema history to even start making any suggestions yeah. but for Fabian I was I was extremely lost but then in the end I decided to go with Faye Dunaway yes and this is based on the individual influence in cinema like Faye was such a influential figure in the whole American neo-noir um, yeah cinema like Chinatown and and also the biggest selling point that she played in Bonnie and Clyde. And as we hear, that was written for Françoise in this episode. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. Yeah, it's really cool. And what about uh, Lynn Renault? Doris Day. Yeah. So Doris Day was an American actress and singer. And she also started her career in singing and then turned mm. into acting and she was very known for her activism as well, particularly in animal uh, oh, yeah. rights activism. Okay, well, that makes sense. Like, you, you have big selling points here. 
my main reason was that I think her popularity in America sort of resembles Lean's yeah. popularity. They're both these magnetic, lovely ladies. Yes. Who was your picks for this one? Uh, I went to a different direction. So for Françoise Fabian, I chose Charlotte Rampling. Um, so she is this kind of like kind of she does a lot of types of movies actually she does both like mainstream and art house we, I remember her in Dexter for example or in Dune oh yeah she's in Dexter yeah 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 she is she is a psychologist psychiatrist that helps you know Dexter's dad to kind of get the code do you remember that? Have you watched Dexter? No. no. Okay, because I could tell like yeah, there was not much going on. You need to watch Dexter. I love Dexter. Anyway. Yeah, and she she's kind of seen as this kind of like, you know, intellectual woman as well. And, you know, not the warmest as well. Okay, uh, yeah. So has kind of this serious, uh, mysterious thing about her. That's what I can tell you. <laughs> Good one, Julie. And what about for Lean? Uh, for Lean, I went into the cabaret direction and I went with Liza Minnelli. Yeah, I was thinking that as well. Yeah, because, you know, she's such a, an icon in both, um, in so many musicals. But uh, yeah, and she is this force of nature in my mind. And Definitely. Yeah. I really enjoyed the portrayal of Liza Minnelli in Halston, in the show they have like a full cover of her song yes. like Liza or S is for Liza or something do you know that song no everyone watch it on YouTube with Liza Minnelli it's like a full full on cabaret oh nice uh, and I love cabaret the movie even me who is not really into musicals it's one of the the ones that <laughs> I appreciate can start discussing what's happening in this episode that starts where we left off, so after Samuel's death, Andrea, she is in that flower shop and she's with one of our guests du jour, Françoise Fabian, and they're discussing, you know, what's going to happen after Samuel's death. They also discuss this important movie that is not from this real director, by the way, he's from someone called Gabor Rajewski. So this upcoming movie is called Until the End. Françoise is meant to play the lead actress in mm. this one and it's basically been written for her. Yes, exactly, with that other French actor called Michel Piccoli. And so, is he real? Yes, he, he is actually. I think only the directors are not, are not real. Yeah, They probably don't want to be seen in that show or <laughs> don't want to be playing their own character. So that movie doesn't sound like it's too joyful. And since Samuel died, you can tell Françoise Fabian is very affected. Says that, yeah, I'm not going to do the movie three weeks before it starts. But Andrea doesn't <laughs> love this news. Uh, she completely lo loses it. And you can tell she's been really pushing for this movie. It's a really passion project and she can't accept that it will not go ahead because she is so fundamental to the movie, this Françoise Fabian, that it would mean that the movie doesn't get made. So um, I wondered a bit about the mechanics of this because we find out in this scene that Françoise was Samuel's client. 
but mm. at the same time Andrea it seems that Andrea has been working on this movie doing all the work on it to yeah, get it done I didn't even pick up on, on this actually you're right yeah maybe Samuel was the agent but Andrea is doing all the the heavy lifting Francois Fabian doesn't appreciate at all the <laughs> the little tantrum from Andrea and uh, kind of quits says okay Samuel was definitely classier than you guys. I'm out. Classier, but he also was a bit of a dick to women. Yes. <laughs> so it depends what type of class you want. Yeah, not the type who is uh, screaming at you in flower shops, apparently. <laughs> but we we already learn a lot more about Andrea's character, and especially in this episode. But uh, it might be at the height of Andrea tantrum yes outbursts it's definitely a theme in in this episode because she has a good few <laughs> definitely yeah and we see it actually in in the next scene when they have a staff meeting so they are talking about how everybody is talking about you know the funeral upcoming funeral people want to actually offer dresses to actresses Everybody wants to get invited. So they say it's even worse than the Cannes Festival. Immediately, Matthias, you know, takes the seat of Samuel just a few days after he died. Because Andrea calls him out straight away and just says, I'm not happy with you sitting in that seat. Yes. And uh, then he also has like a plan to divide the clientele of Samuel between the three remaining agents. Andrea has to admit then that she lost Françoise. Yeah. And so immediately Mathias is like, why did you see uh, Françoise? What happened? And how, how did you think you could just call her up and try to be her agent? And again, we see how Andrea and Mathias are so different in the way they see this business. You know, Andrea being so passionate and Matthias being so business-minded. There's so many references in this episode to how she has pure love of cinema. Mm. And he is sort of, Matthias's approach is a bit tainted by his emphasis on, yes. on the business and the money aspect of it all. Yeah, he's calculated by the way, at the meeting, did you notice they just jotted a few random people in there? No, I didn't even notice what <laughs> the, happened. There was our main agents and then just a few other actors in the background that <laughs> I was like, are those, are those the accountancy guys or the legal guys? Yes, that we never saw in the, during the tour, maybe. <laughs> it's definitely clear that Matthias is in opposition to the rest of the agency. Like, Andrea Liz annoyed him. Air Caporal. <laughs> yeah, Andrea. And what happens when she leaves? Oh, yeah, she gives him the finger. I couldn't believe it. Like, even if you're mad at your colleague, I'm not sure you do uh, this ever. Like, never happened to me, even if I wanted to. <laughs> but if I want to also talk a little bit about um, Samuel's funeral, because he's going to be buried in, in Père Lachaise. Yeah which is one of the most famous places in Paris, right? Yeah, no, it's huge. And uh, you've been there. <laughs> you know. know who is there. <laughs> Jim Morrison, Edith Piaf, or 
our very own Irish uh, Oscar Wilde. <laughs> I know, and he's getting like one of the big appeals when you go there to go to go visit his grave, and you have to like kiss the glass that they put up glass now to protect him. Yes, women used to kiss the statue of him with lipstick on. So funny, yeah. Women or men, maybe. Oh, it's uh, all genders. Yeah, I, I I saw it recently when I went back to Paris, uh, maybe two months ago. But I, I, the glass is still there, but you don't have the lipstick um, marks. Oh, is that COVID related? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe the kisses stopped. But I was wondering, do you think it's realistic that? <clears throat> do you think it's realistic that Samuel would be buried here? Yeah, I'd say it's either there or Montparnasse, the <laughs> other big celebrity cemetery. Yeah, wow. But do they just have endless room or how does it work? Yeah, I wonder how they do it because certain graves are obviously in disrepair. So I wonder, you know, do they kind of recycle? We need to talk to grave diggers. <laughs> We need to because this is one of the things that my boyfriend is, my Irish boyfriend is most outraged about. Denmark is that in Denmark you essentially only rent your grave for 10 or 20 years and if your family doesn't pay someone else goes there on top Are of you. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. Your grave is erased and... Wow. Yeah. So interesting. I don't know how it goes in France but I don't think that would be the the same. Probably thing. not in the celebrity cemetery. Definitely. Oscar Wilde is not there <laughs> for a long long time. Yeah. Ah, I, I don't know actually. But maybe there is a time limit though. Matthias still take the rain and decide to have an emergency another emergency meeting <laughs> but with um, Samuel's late wife. Yeah. To discuss how they're going to do it. But even if they're all upset at him, um, they definitely need him. He's yeah. The, like, where would they be without him? I can't see Gabrielle taking <laughs> taking the lead on that one. Definitely not. <laughs> yes. So we see that meeting and there is this really funny scene where Andrea is kind of under the seat. She's she's having a, a call with um, Gabor Evjeski, so the director of until the end and uh, he's obviously ha is having a panic attack and she is suggesting a few things to make him feel better including watching funny videos drink hot lemon but my favorite is to watch porn because <laughs> porn is life affirming <laughs> life affirming she's grasping at straws here But yes, it's like a white to reveal sequence. And then we see that then very uh, serious setting with Helene Claire, yes. who is not very happy. And she is straight up telling them that she wants to sell her shares of the agency. And Matthias just straight up says, we'll buy them. Yeah. And the rest of the agents are like, uh, how? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's part of the, the appeal that you have for him. He's very decisive and to the point. He is amazing, like what can I say? <laughs> But also this whole situation sort of forces our agents to be a bit more of a united front. And yes. I love the scene we get next where they're wa walking home from the meeting and they're walking side by side and they're discussing the possibilities of buying the agency. Yes, absolutely. Isn't it the same scene that we see actually in the theme 
have a feeling yes, it, it is, is right? Yeah. yeah. One of the few times they're all walking together on good terms. So they, they discuss the finances and, you know, Arlette, I think, mentions her life insurance. Mm. Gabrielle is talking about his apartment. Andrea says she's broke, that she has nothing because she's renting. Yeah. So it's not looking too good. Or this conversation make them realize that they want to save the agency and we get like a, a little emotional scene between Alette and Andrea where Alette says that she wants to put all the money she has into the agency because they're her family and she doesn't have anyone else yes. except for her dog, of course. Yeah, and no, that's, that's great because at least they're on the same page. Later on, Matthias goes again, taking care of business mm. to meet with Helen and he presents like a, an offer to her, but she'll still be owning some part of the agency, I think like 17%. Something like that. But she doesn't react too well. <laughs> no. Yeah. She, so she, we had suspicions about Samuel from the first episode, but this confirms it. He's is had affairs with actresses in and out of the agency the whole time he was married. Yeah. So she can't even tolerate to earn anything from, you know, that agency because that represents in her head. Yeah. Like, well, she's talking about the actresses saying that she can't stand the fact that she would make money out of their little acrobatics. It's <laughs> so piercing isn't it it's awful and it's like again like it's everything on them and not so much on him but anyway exactly and it's i think it's very gendered yes exactly it's a bit old school it leads us on to a bit of a discussion about cheating and friends <laughs> i knew i knew it was coming <laughs> yeah. we can't talk about uh, this show without talking about cheating and friends and yes. uh, I found some very interesting stats, Julie. So first of all, there's a few surveys out there, but I didn't find them too reliable. They were like performed by Durex, the co the condom company. They probably want to sell the condoms. That's the main <laughs> priority, I would imagine. Exactly. And uh, every single time, like every new link I clicked on, there was a new leading country, mm. like at some points it was saying that France was, you know, the more, the biggest cheating nation and other times even Denmark and sometimes Denmark was the lowest. But I don't think that's like, I don't believe that you can measure infidelity. People are going to lie about those things. And that's why I think it's also more interesting to look at the attitudes to infidelity. Mm. And I found some interesting research that says that France is the most accepting nation of affairs and only 47% of the friends say that it's morally unacceptable to have an affair while you're married. Yeah. And this is compared to America where 84% believe that it is morally un unacceptable. <laughs> but doing it anyway. <laughs> exactly. And that's what it shows, I think. Yes. Yeah. I'm not that surprised by those numbers. Um it's not okay to cheat in France. Like, I've never heard anyone say, oh, I got cheated on, or I would cheat on, no problem. I think, like you're saying, it's... The French are really romantic, but also realists. Um, so, yeah, I think they 
nobody knows until they get there how it is after 20 years, 30 years in a relationship, you know. Maybe you meet someone interesting after a while, maybe you're bored, maybe something happened in your relationship. I don't know. It's it's so complicated. In France, like this very old school vision of cheating is more like from a king era, you know, dangerous liaison kind of style, you know, yeah. which is not the case anymore. But yeah, there is still this culture of acceptance or kind of understanding. Yes, it can happen. Let's let's be honest here. It would. It's probably the ultimate trust to be able to, like, I don't know, have an open relationship per se, but at least if it ever happened to even be able to be open about it yes but well, m- but that might not be the case necessarily in friends either yeah it's still very taboo like some people would get over it some people would probably discuss it but i'm not sure in this situation would samuel tell his wife that he cheated i don't think so she knew it but even he was not saying it yeah and she is not happy about it anyway, as we see. Like you say in France, it's it's not like fun <laughs> necessarily, no. but at, but people are accepting that it is happening. Yes, you don't want it to happen to you, but when mm. you hear about it, you're like, ah, it's not the end of the world, right? <laughs> Another reason this article was highlighting why cheating might be more acceptable in France, and which ties it a bit back to Lean Renew, mm. I think it's also that you have a long tradition for sort of comedies that revolve around love triangles and all yes. sorts of funny tactics of funny things where the mistress is hiding in the closet. Is mistress gender neutral or what is the word for a man? Lover? Where they're like, they'll be hiding on the balcony yes. or in the closet and different things. So it's sort of normalized it. Absolutely. Like you should see some movies from the 80s, 60s in France, like they could happen today because it's so sex positive and it was probably shocking for the time, but it could still be shocking for the time today, you know, like, mm-hmm. so yeah, there's always been a tradition of playing with boundaries and like we'll see later in this episode. But to compare, I thought it was, would be fun to also include Denmark and Ireland a little bit. Yeah. And Denmark, they definitely have double standards about cheating in, in general, where apparently 60%, if we can believe those stats, cheat, but <laughs> only 30% think it's okay. Okay. So what happened to the, the other 30% that cheated <laughs> but don't th- doesn't think it's okay? <laughs> Maybe it's the whole, if you, you know, they want to cheat, but they don't want to be cheated on. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's always the double standard uh, thing, right? But uh, the, one of the biggest things in Denmark is the Christmas parties. You always hear about this and there's so many, like apparently the divorce rate goes up around Christmas time because we have these Christmas parties where you eat and drink so much, you get so drunk and so you funny. have them with your work colleagues. So a lot of people might be you know if you fancy someone from work yeah that's where it can happen at yes. these christmas parties reminds me of love actually 
exactly yeah <laughs> but yeah okay that's interesting well that fits with this kind of Christmassy idea we have of scandinavia <laughs> <laughs> and then we have ireland that comes in with some very surprising information because they have recently been titled europe's infidelity hotspot interesting Did you, could you imagine that Yes and no. Yeah, because I feel like now that Ireland is getting rid of this more traditional past, there is this desire of being like, woohoo, let's catch up. <laughs> so true. But it came about because they had the most sign-ups to this. There's like a, a global dating service for adulterers mm. and they had more than 250,000 signups. Interesting. It's so funny at the same time because you know how Ireland is so small and how they all know each other. So I wonder yeah. how it goes on those websites. Uh, are they trying to hide their face, like afraid to see their cousin or something? You know? <laughs> I would be terrified. <laughs> yeah. I think this website is sort of specializing in making it all secret. Yes, a bit eyes wide shut style. Mm. With a hood on your face. <laughs> we have to we have to sign up. Julie. We have to sign up. Friends, they might not be cheating more than everywhere else, but they are perhaps more honest about it. But yeah, let's talk a bit more about what happens with the main stars Françoise and Lean. They have a deep-rooted uh, rivalry going on, but we we don't know about their rivalry right away. No. So we. We only see, you know, Françoise Fabian first with Andrea and then we see Gabrielle. He's doing damage control with Lynn Renault for lunch. Yeah. And let's just say that when Gabrielle does damage control, it more just looks like a fun picnic or something. It seems like he's just coming up with things on the spot. I know. And he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's he seems nice. Like, I think <laughs> if lovely. I had to choose an agent for myself... Between the four? I know who you would go for, definitely. Um, would I go for Gabrielle or Andrea? I don't know. Maybe I would like Andrea to fight my corner, though. I think you would go for Gabrielle, but maybe have to make a decision that He's you would good. have to go. Yeah. <laughs> but to be fair to him, he is very good and he he's good because of his personality. Yes. But uh, basically, he meets with Lean. Yeah, and we understand very quickly that she's the very different vibe from Françoise Fabian. But maybe in a way, she also feels a bit trapped by this because she starts telling Gabrielle that she would really like some more meaty roles. And she is uh, sort of mentioning this dilemma that there's not, there doesn't seem to be a lot of stories told for women of that age or even yes. they don't focus so much on the women part more the you know the age part mm. I, I, find, I feel it like and she's absolutely right and then Gabriel sort of because of the whole mess with Francoise then he ends up pitching the Rajevsky how would you say it yeah the Rajevsky movie we find out Andrea does not think it makes sense not at all and uh, yeah, she she's such a snob that she can't envision Lynn Renault, who is more a mainstream actress, in a very art house project. Yes, she says something like, Lynn is cabaret and fun, but not right for this movie. Yeah, and it, it shows how 
closed the cin French cinema can be, you know, once you're pigeonholed, you are pigeonholed for life. What we see, it's not, it, it's not possible to cross over. No, it's, it's really hard to kind of w go from one genre to the other. Is it like the way they present it here? I think so, honestly. It's, it's probably changing now because there's so much more opportunities now. You have TV shows, you have YouTube, you know, there's so many production companies. I don't think you are as pigeonholed. I think there will always be that tradition of snobism, let's just say, from the art house crowd towards mainstream and the mainstream feeling like the art house is pretentious. But it's interesting in the light of the whole new wave French cinema that mm. Françoise was a part of, which was all about breaking down the boundaries. Yeah, that's a good observation. But there, yeah, there's definitely some snobism there, you know. Only if certain movies or certain forms of art are acceptable. In many ways, it seems that the French is like the main upholder of this, like the big distinction between fi fine art and mm. more popular culture. Absolutely, because um, in every art, like I'm thinking of literature, for example, my, my parents watch the show like every week. Um, about you know the new books and authors and they would never invite uh, Marianne Keys or this kind of JK Rowling or you know very popular kind of books they stick to certain authors you know <laughs> it's uh, and it's interesting to see like but that is definitely what we see here and I think it's interesting that that is also that 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 is the dilemma for the second episode mm. So this is very front and center for French culture. But Lynn, Lynn is interested. She's intrigued. Yes, yes she's yeah. very intrigued. And uh, But he, he kind of pitches it well. He says, like, Bonnie and Clyde. A very subtle. Yes, it's kind of, it sounds cool, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll find out more about the plot of that movie, but it's not as fun as he, you know, <laughs> first pitches it. like. But yes, yeah, so that's the whole drama. Now, Lynn wants the role and she's also actually offered the role because she happens to hit it off with the director yeah. and at the same time Andrea has been trying to convince Francoise to come back to the role yes it's a it's such without a luck for for a long time though there was some a very uh, there's a lot of very funny comedic moments of her trying to reach out to her yes so she sends a like she has Camille like send her a scarf unfortunately Camille makes a mistake sends a green scarf which is bad luck for actors she's on her little bike to try to get like to Françoise <laughs> so Fabian's far, house you know, those before city bikes that has no gears like yes. she has to pedal so fast yeah you can tell she's giving her best but when she gets there like the scarf is in the bin and someone picks it up they're not on very good terms she's ignoring Andrea's calls we see Andrea trying to call her and you know leaving several voicemails but okay. at the end throwing the phone out over the balcony such a funny scene actually <laughs> she is she doesn't yeah she's not in in a good balance in this episode no, not at all so yeah but Arlette with her you know infinite wisdom about what happened in the past she lets andrea know that Françoise and lynn actually can't stand each other 
Shocking. Yeah, and she kind of tells her what happened. Françoise was with Samuel at the time when they were younger. They were partying together. When she actually introduced Samuel to Lynn, Samuel unfortunately went with Lynn. So since that, it's like not going great between the two. It's such an interesting little blast from the past and it makes you want to watch that show. Absolutely. I would watch that show. Yeah. And I don't know if it's related, but I saw an interesting story uh, researching Lynn Renault when she was young. Uh, so she was very successful at the start of her career. And another singer got very jealous of her. That other singer was Edith Piaf. Oh, my God. And she tried to destroy Lynn Renault's career. Jesus. So Lynn Renault revealed like in 2021 or very recently that Edith Piaf was after her. She tried to convince, because they were in the same label, and she tried to uh, convince the label head, listen, you don't record with Lynn Renault anymore, I refuse it. <laughs> and she really tried to sabotage Lynn Renault's career. So I wonder if it's inspired by that story, because I find it, you know, a bit similar in ways. Yes, you know? definitely. But... It's very good sport from Francoise that she will be playing this side of the story because she sort of comes out a bit short here. Yes, she's not as warm and lovable. But And she's also the one that is dumped by Samuel and I think in some ways the one that's a bit more jealous. Mm. And it's actually a point that Arlette is making about their jealousy is that they both want to be a bit more like the other. That they would have liked each other's career and each hates the other for what she didn't do. So interesting. So they presumably had this rivalry. That is rooted in a man, but it's so much more than that in the yeah, end. Yeah, it's about, it's about each other. Yeah. But you know, seeing those two women who are so successful, stunning and have an established career and everything... Makes me feel better because I'm like, even them, you know, they can have their insecurities and rivalry, you know, <laughs> like, exactly. they're just like us at the end of the day. So, yeah. Yeah. But of course, it all starts with a man. So we see uh, after her several failed attempts to reconnect with Françoise Fabian, Andrea decides to stalk her and to follow her into the Jardin du Luxembourg. She is still very determined. Andrea pretends to see... Uh, Françoise by coincidence and they start talking and Andrea explains that it's been hard for Gabor to accept that Françoise was not going to do the movie but it's all for the best because they found the perfect replacement and it's Lynn Renault. <laughs> She's very good, yeah. Stalker, yeah. stalker vibes though. Yes, absolutely. And then we see this very funny cross-cutting scene between Lynn Renault and Françoise Fabian mm. both doing so Françoise Fabian is with Andrea and Lynn Renault I think she's at the nail salon or hairdresser mm. or both she's already telling everyone who listen how she's getting this role backstabbing <laughs> this woman but still she comes off as the nicest most I know. lovable person true she has a talent so yeah Françoise Fabian says like that she's rarely in anything these days and she obviously throws shade on her last movie, the popular success, The Sticks. Mm. <clears throat> Only in France you can like insult someone for being in a really popular, <laughs> successful movie. <laughs> Probably. 
And yeah. then Lena, on the other hand, is also saying like, I heard at her last birthday, the candles cost more than the cake. Which is hilarious. Especially because she is older than her. Françoise uh, then says that Lynn would be a sympathetic Nazi, <laughs> a place in every Frenchman's heart, everyone's best friend. It's very funny. And uh, Lynn is like, on the other hand, saying that Françoise is like la femme Françoise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so that's it. She has a lure as rich as it is. <laughs> <laughs> she is scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's true, though. Like, I don't argue with this. All these little digs are very cleverly written because they both, like, compliment and insult at the same same time. So it shows this ambivalence in the ladies, how they both wish that they had done yes. it themselves. Yeah, and the admiration is definitely there, deep down. <laughs> with this manipulation of Françoise Fabian... You know, her rage is so great that she decides to do the movie anyway. And then so it creates even more problems between Gabrielle and Andrea. Because now they have two actresses mm-hmm. interested for the same role. Three weeks before it starts. Let's jump to some of the equally exciting part, which is that we finally get some romance in this episode. The juice, yeah. And it's very exciting for Camille, I think. Yeah, it's very exciting. <laughs> like, first of all. First of all. <laughs> very devastating for her. But uh, we sort of get to know a little bit more about Hervé and Camille. They're, like, bonding really quickly. True. Yeah, they seem to be connecting straight away. <clears throat> and yeah. there's a funny scene where they talk about sex, as you do, and friends when you've only known someone for two weeks. Yeah. But that's a real thing, though. <laughs> yeah, no, like you bond, especially when you are in your 20s, uh, like that's something you would bond over very quickly. Yeah, and we have a very funny line where Javier is like saying that the, it's he's been so busy, he hasn't had a sex since Samuel died and then Camille is like that six days ago. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> and she reveals that she hasn't had sex for three months. Mm. When you are single, you obsess about this type of stuff. If you haven't had sex in like six months or three months or whatever, it's like it becomes a problem. But I was a bit curious as well. Who do you think the last person Camille had sex with is? Um, I'd say I'd say like some type of friend with benefits from back home. You think so? Yeah, or like some some type of boyfriend, but that she's not really interested in. Yeah. Can you paint a picture of this typical guy from Mandelieu? Mandelieu? <laughs> like, you know, this nice guy, a friend, probably. Yeah. You know, like a friend, she doesn't have much going on, so he's there, she's there, and she's not very <laughs> excited with her life. She's dreaming of Paris. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing, like someone temporary. But... She doesn't have to wait that much longer because all of a sudden a very hot young guy walks in. Yeah, so there is this funny kind of like meet cute where she is photocopying and something, you know, a sheet of paper falls and she has to lie on top of the photocopy machine and she photocopies her boobs <laughs> it's very i thought this was very emily in paris yes and then hippolyte 
walks in at that exact moment and find it very endearing, cute slash sexy. (laughs) Who wouldn't? But uh, he manages to pick up a photocopy of her boobs and not be creepy about it. No, he's uh, he's, uh, he's saying it's working really fast. Uh, This is working really well. The balance of grace is perfect there. (laughs) Yeah, so they definitely hit it off and they flirt. But then uh, Camille uh, learns that he's a client of Andra and he's there to pick up a script or something. And uh, because she messed up with Andrea and she's trying to learn the boundaries yeah. in the work and still very new, she becomes very formal and she goes from the tu, so that the polite way to address to someone in French, to the vous, which is the formal way to, you know, show her distance right away. And he picks up on this and say, like, can you please use the two again? It's not translated the same in English. He's a bit taken aback by her change of attitude. She was so smiley a minute ago and suddenly she's like, okay, bye-bye. She also wants to abide abide to Andrea's rules of basically no social life, Mm. your work non-stop, you are Mm. at my constant command. Exactly. (laughs) But chemistry doesn't abide by those rules. No, and he he goes away, but somehow has to come back uh, hours later and uh, he's looking for a script. Cami thinks he's like pretending to look for a script, but he finds it on her desk. So yeah, that's also a great little moment because she she sort of has to crawl back a little bit towards him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Admit that she was wrong and maybe she shouldn't be so mean. Yeah, exactly. So she she relaxes a bit and they go out for a drink. And it's like one of those brilliant first date or we don't really have dates in France, but you know, first meet up yeah and they're like having so much in common they laugh and the hours pass by very quickly by the look of it it's very romantic and it goes so well that they spend the night together they obviously make out and uh she wakes up at his i think that's his apartment i would assume and um She's very late for Samuel's funeral, so. <laughs> <laughs> but he is so, he's such a gentleman, so he offers to take her on his scooter. We get a bit of romance for Andrea as well. Yes. Not as romantic. No, she's more matter of fact, our little <laughs> Andrea. <laughs> yeah. But it's a pretty funny scene because we, you know, we have the romantic night between Camille and Hippolyte, and then it cuts to. A not so romantic scene where Andrea can be seen complaining in bed about the work, mm-hmm. and then it's revealed that this poor woman is going down on her at the same time. Yes. Did you notice that's the woman from the website? I not first time, I don't think, but yeah. I on this rewatch I did, yeah, because yeah. I want to talk about this website. It it's very intriguing to me. It's called Me Plus You, and I looked it up, and I don't think it exists in real life. No, uh, I, I didn't think it did. It looked, it looked like a fake one. Yeah, because uh, the scene is really effective at showing mm. technology in that way, in a way that doesn't seem tacky. Yeah, I always thought of the people behind the developing of those fake websites or fake like messaging <laughs> things, you know, how they... <laughs> 
they come up with the concept and everything yeah, yeah. just like when they when you see they get a text from their mom and they never they never takes it before it's yeah, the yeah. first text message exactly. in the chain yeah. but this one seems so real to me and basically when a person messages you there's like this little moving profile picture of mm. them which is makes it very personal but also a bit scary when someone not so cute pops up yes true <laughs> like we see a couple of examples of this oh yeah isn't it a couple yeah a couple comes up looking for a third person but then all of a sudden a very cute hmm. lady appears true and she seems so nice and shy obviously but i don't know i would message her She gets Andrea's attention and they start chatting and at the same time there's this sort of romantic, intriguing music playing. Hmm. And it's going well, so the blonde woman takes something like, new to the site, a little lost, about to lock off, then I saw you. It is very cute and also I thought exactly what you would write if you were on this website. Yes. <laughs> it's such a Julie message. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know if I would be as honest, though. With new to the site? More like a little lost. Yeah, I think I would lost, say yeah. new to the site, about to log off, then I saw you. So they, yeah, they go back and forth. Andrea definitely takes charges, the more experienced. Yeah. She's like saying it's fun here and you'll see. And I like sweat and bodies. Yeah, order or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's pretty explicit, The blonde woman is sort of like cutting her off when uh, she's not cutting her off, but she's like saying, I'm looking for a relationship yes. and this pisses Andrea off. She's not in the mood for this at the moment. No, she's trying to figure out her finances for the future. So, yeah. And then the music just abruptly stops. Mm. And but then a different woman pops up also very beautiful, like more dark sort of maybe showing she's a bit more the type Andrea's looking for at the moment. Absolutely. She's very direct about whenever, wherever. <laughs> Shakira's been playing in my head ever <laughs> since. But uh, then I thought it was pretty funny the way like this romantic music starts again. So it's sort of what the first time I saw it, it was I feel like it was playing with me like what girl is gonna be the one you know mm, true and the blonde uh, versus the the brunette the like the shy versus the spicy one mm. yes exactly but she's not so shy she's a bit persistent the blonde so after a while she takes back and she's like goes it after five minutes i don't like uh, girls who act like guys yeah and andrea doesn't like this <laughs> <laughs> no No, she says, uh, I don't like little girls like you. Leave me alone. <laughs> Men, online dating can be tough. And it will come back to haunt her as well. True. This episode also gives us, you know, a bit more information about Andrea's and Gabrielle's friendship. Even if they fight during this episode, you can tell they're really close and that they are eat at each other's place. They confide into each other. Andrea asks Gabrielle advice about her impulsiveness. Uh, Gabrielle doesn't is not really frank with her, but you can tell they are way past this professional relationship. Yeah, they're very good friends. 
yeah, they even have this discussion that all good friends have, <laughs> well, male and female in the traditional sense, yeah. uh, about having kids and, you know, maybe they could have a kid together, even if Andrea is interested in women and obviously Gabrielle has his own life. But yeah, they have this sweet kind of moment where Andrea is saying better to have a kid with a friend than an anonymous Dutch donor. Yes, the, the, the Dutch donor made me made me laugh as well because did you hear about this like real life Dutch donor who has been ordered to stop donating sperm because he's fathered 550 children. That's completely mad. <laughs> Is this a case of life imitating art or art imitating life? <laughs> Potentially. It also reminds me of my favorite show, Selling Sunset. You know, with the new <laughs> oh, Nick <yeah>. Cannon. <laughs> Drama. Who can't stop uh, fathering children. <laughs> What's up with that? Do you think some men just want to spread the seed or something? Yeah, I think so. No. In this case, Gabriel is very different from this. Like, he has yes. more sort of a what you would consider maybe a, a feminine urge to father. Yeah. <laughs> if that even makes sense. Yeah, that we learn actually that his previous girlfriend broke up with him because he wants a kid and she doesn't. Yeah. Which is, you know, cutie. But yeah, have you ever had that talk with a friend? Uh, no. No, no, <laughs> never. It's such a... Do you think it's such a movie cliché? It's true that we've seen it in Friends. Yeah. I think some people have that conversation, though. Yeah. But just... Uh, first of all, I've never been obsessed by having a kid, so it's never been on my mind. I'm probably the wrong candidate. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were having these conversations when we were, like, 14 and having just yes. seen a movie, you know? <laughs> and Potentially. 40 seems so far in the future future in our group it was like our gay friend who volunteered to father all our children i think he's the super spreader of, uh, of the lot <laughs> yes but do you think that there's a bit of romantic moment between them or is it just pure platonic yeah i wondered if on gabriel's side there is a bit more if uh, andrea was not gay I think he could be attracted to, to her because he mm. likes strong women. Yeah. But I think we, we made it all the way to the funeral scene. Yes, and this is where it all, it's all going to escalate and come together. Mm. Yeah, all the, all the agents, you know, who've been fighting until now, really, this is, this is the moment where they kind of put all their differences aside. And it's kind of cute when they, you know, take each other's hands even if they don't get along. They play it so well, like the show is so good at balancing comedic and, and the more sad, serious scenes. Yeah. We don't get too many, but when, when they do come, they are emotional, yeah. I think, because I the actors really. are so brilliant. They are good. But yes, then after Samuel has been laid to rest, Hmm. we get to the funeral reception in the agency i wonder is this the big event we were promised it seems a bit i don't know underwhelming yeah in the agency yeah i wonder i, I didn't even connect the dots you know because they were organizing was it like guests for the funeral itself or for the after party um probably both probably yeah both i think mm. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely underwhelming. It's not bigger than can. Like I thought the fashion at the funeral was not even that. No, true. We we barely see anyone. Except for Camille's screaming turqu- turquoise pants. Her style is the worst in these first episodes. Yeah, yeah, she's like, I've had a walk of shame right now. <laughs> Didn't have time to change. <laughs> but why would she even wear those pants to work? Yes, true. <laughs> she's lovely, though. <laughs> that was the backhanded uh, comment. <laughs> it's like, she's lovely, though. <laughs> But then it sort of all culminates when Francoise Fabian starts giving a serious and very emotional speech in honor of Samuel. And she says things about like uh, how lucky actors are to have the only job in the world where you can act for a living. Play in French. It makes more sense in French. It's one of those things hard to translate. Mm. Yeah, it's basically like yeah, where you get to play for a living. Yeah, exactly. And, but she also says that's why you stay so playful like kids. You you play, you don't grow old. You play to cheat death. Very mm. beautiful, poetic stuff. Of course, she's interrupted by Lynn Renaud, who intervenes in her own personal way. He would like us to laugh. And they end up competing over the mic. <laughs> and they both end up singing this song. What song is that? Que reste-t-il de nos amours? From Charles Trenet. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful what is left from our loves mm. they are sort of competing at first but then they both give into it and they end up wowing the crowd yes and it's actually very entertaining for that boring looking party if you ask me <laughs> <laughs> so true but uh, Andrea gets an epiphany here and she's like gets a good idea to cast them both in the movie exactly because this uh, movie we didn't really expand on the um, on the plot but it's a kind of yeah Bonnie and Clyde type of movie this older couple in their 80s who are broke and kind of face like deaths and decide to kind of rob people and then when they are found out they find themselves in a kind of like block apartment and decide to jump in the, yeah. Belmy, um, in the very Talman Louise fashion. Yeah, I yeah. would watch that. Yeah, and even if the producer is not too seduced by it, uh, she agrees that it would be great marketing and, you know. This producer is so boning the director. Like, she is standing oh. up for him every... Like, she's talking from him for yes. him the whole time another strong woman and another <laughs> man who needs her <laughs> whiny man yeah yeah no you might be right there and um yeah boning or not they are doing the movie <laughs> with those two older women <laughs> we don't even see actually that you, we don't see lena francoise accepting this Francoise didn't want to do the movie at all. <laughs> so does it really solve that? I know she agreed to do it. Yeah. Yes, and we actually don't know if they were asked about doing this movie <laughs> with that other person they hate, by the way. <laughs> so interesting resolution. Like, But it's a TV show after all. <laughs> <laughs> but oh. it's not the, f- the only thing that happens in, in that party, though. We have another big... Uh, revelation 
devastating. Yeah, so we meet Matthias's wife. You recognized her, I'm sure. Yes, Sylvie we... from uh, Emily in Paris. Yes, we got a glimpse of her in the photo, but now we see her in the flesh. Yeah, so we already know what's up. Like the viewer knows what's up before Camille does, I think. Yes, I think so. If you paid attention to that picture. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you she... paid attention to Emily in Paris. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she is the mother of Hippolyte as well. And her husband is working in the agency. And this is your fave, Mathias. Yeah. Oh, my God. The drama. The drama. So, yeah, you, you got it. Uh, Camille is Hippolyte's uh, half-sister. Jesus, it was so tense the first time I saw this. It's uh, it's a moment where you're like, ooh, you can't come back from this. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and also we, you know, at this stage you're fully convinced that they slept together. It's uh, it's a lot, and Kemi is obviously horrified. He really doesn't have a clue, and tries to kiss her, and she's like, have we slept together? Just tell me this. And he says, no, you fell asleep. And yeah, so thank God. Yeah, that's a relief. But at the same time, it's it's a big twist because I kind of imagine this being like, you know, one of those storylines that stretch over a lot of episodes. It could be like one of the romances happening in the show. Clearly, it's not. Yeah. yeah. What did you think when you saw it? And do you think you would see this in an American show? I didn't think like I couldn't remember having seen it in any other show not in this way where they take it so far it's like you know even thinking about it now it's it's extreme to even let the viewers think that they mm. did it for so long but if there was you know a very famous example from game of thrones yeah with the the lannisters very shocking as well extremely very, shocking a very different show a different show and a different era you True, would you yeah. would think uh, it doesn't happen nowadays. Nowadays, but it doesn't go that way in this case because Camille is extremely, like you know, every spark goes is gone. <laughs> yeah, um, I was fully sure that she was gonna throw up, but she didn't. <laughs> so devastating for Hippolyte though, because he he's still none the wiser and he's completely mad about her. I know. Yeah, but what can you say like it's it's she's not gonna reveal at that party by the way i'm your half sister surprise <laughs> yeah. i know but uh, she's so like she's really loyal to matthias in that way and to the whole secret because yeah. it would be she has to seem like the the asshole in this situation yes true but she rushes up to have a cigarette because she is so yeah overwhelmed and matthias follows her Conf- like he confronts her and he's like stay away from my family that's that's terrible that's very bad night for our poor Camille she's so strong and you know and she fights back and she says I'm also your family yeah very good, good moment for her it's he does it's like he doesn't really see her as a person yet no she's just some like a threat coming in yeah. to obstruct his perfect picture perfect life a dirty secret one lovely lady comes to the rescue, Alette, with yes. both a bit of wisdom and a lighter. And that's how the episode ends. 
So I think it's time to call my HR. What do you think? Um, a good few inappropriate moments again in this episode. Definitely. I think we'll have plenty to choose from every time. Yes. So what's yours? So my call my HR moment is that they make Camille work until 10 p.m. every night. Yeah, and it's funny because she works late, but nobody seems to be there. She's the only assistant. Yeah. Making photocopies. Yeah, the poor woman. It's a a tough start. Maybe she's trying to catch up. And once she's kind of up to date, she won't be needing to work that late, but still. Yeah. But it doesn't stop her from having fun, as we see, and that's how she meets Hippolyte and the whole drama. What was yours? Uh, For me, it's when Andrea is giving the finger to Matthias, leaving that (laughs) meeting. It's... uh... (laughs) That's very funny. Yeah. And what about... Did you have a Frenchest moment in this episode? I thought it was a very French episode. Mm. Like... I think for me the the complete divide between the art house and the more popular hmm. culture like it's so interesting to me and how you know the way that you know the way they talk about it that it's so absurd to mix the two yes you're so right uh, and it's so specific <laughs> yeah and I couldn't really understand this until I met your sister oh yeah <laughs> You were trying to explain to me that uh, not a lot of Generation X and above women would have watched Sex and the City. Yes. No, and uh, I think it's also because at that time, American TV was not as prevalent on TV. You know, on French TV, we had our own programs and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, she would be the typical representation of Andrea. Yeah. Very well-read and very, like you know the amount of references she has is incredible yes and it's a part of who she is it's very important for her and um, she would almost see it as a betrayal you know if you disagree Uh, for me the franchise moment was the big reveal at the end Um, you know this whole sister brother almost hook up yeah Yes, I don't think I would see it in an American show. It's it's pushing the boundaries. Definitely. I was so relieved when it turned out to be that it hadn't happened. Me too. Me too. It's uh, <laughs> Even if you're French and it's yes. the Frenchest moment. Oh, yeah, but um, it would... <laughs> Let's not confuse things and think that we sleep with our brother or sister here. <laughs> no, it's more like the the, the, the approach in the storyline that would push the boundaries of exploring this yes. to a level that I don't think would be seen in many cultures. No, it's a bit maybe, or it, it might be a bit similar to the whole, the way infidelity has been explored and pushed like we spoke about earlier. Yes. Or not like I'm also trying to not confuse things here, but just how <laughs> things that could be seen it to be immoral can be made fun with. Yes. But yeah, that's it for the episode. Yeah. Thanks for listening to our podcast called My Accent. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and please leave a review. You can also follow us on Instagram at Call My Accent Podcast. And if you have any questions or comments about the show, remember to ask us.
on Instagram or I email callmyaccentpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time. Fini. Birding. Done. <laughs>